Good morning, and uh, in Jesus, I can truly say Happy New Year. Apart from Jesus, I can't say that. You know, it's a funny thing. I was raised in church. Uh, Many of you were raised in the bars and in the honky-tonks. And I was raised in church. And one of the things that uh, my parents, who were Christians, always said is, Mikey, one of these days, the Lord is going to come back and take us home. And I always look forward to that. I always thought, well, today could be the day. Don't matter how bad or dismal the day might be, it could have a silver lining and this might be our last day here. And I always think about that because, you know, as we've talked about it for so many years, I think as we come into these days that we're in right now, I think we're seeing the manifestation of everything that Jesus talked about, that the Old Testament talked about, as we're seeing the world come to its final countdown. And I believe because of that, we need to be very much aware of the times that we're in. And when I think we're in that that understanding of of where we're at in the timeline of God's whole creation and the big wrap-up, It's going to help each one of us not get too bummed out over things that are going on in the world. I'm going to go through several things that I think are very important. Now, most of you know, January 6th is a very important day. And that's because it's when the Congress um, officially accepts the ballots, the electors for the new president. Now, there is going to be objections in both the House and the Senate because of the wide-scale cheating that went on. We, I know personally, there was wide-scale cheating on to every man and answer. I had a guy call up. He said, my wife, my son, I live in this apartment in San Jose. We got eight mail-in ballots in our mailbox, but there's only three people living there. I know another individual that got two ballots, one at his parents' house and one at his residence. Now, I go back to the old saying, how many lies do you have to uh, lie to make be a liar? Just one. How many murders do you have to murder people you got to murder to be a murderer? Just one. Well, the thing is, is that just in our little scope, I can prove that the election was not right. Now, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, I think the problem is not so much that, is that is it one person, one vote, uh, one time? What's the old saying? Vote early, vote often. Well, I don't believe that's really the way our forefathers had anticipated it to be. So there's going to be objections on January 6th. Depending on how that comes out, could really change not only the face of America, but the face of the whole world. And I believe because no matter how it comes out, everybody knows that there's something not right. And I believe this is also part of the end time scenario of things as the world is getting ready for a one world order, a one world government. I don't know if you've noticed lately, but it's very hard even in some places to buy anything with cash. Anybody notice that? They won't take your money. They say, well, we'll take a debit card. We'll take a credit card. We don't want cash. Well, again, we have rushed towards a cashless society in which the Bible says as it's fully matured in Revelation 13, no one's going to be able to buy or sell lest they have the mark, the name, or the number of the beast on their hand or on their forehead, the two places of the body that generally are not covered. 
And so we really understand that we're coming into a different time than we've ever been before. The government told us what we could do in our own homes at Christmas, that you can't have so many people in your home. Some states were limited to a maximum of six people in your home during the Christmas season. Unheard of in the freedoms of America. But see, now we're being manipulated, I think, in a way that we as Americans have never seen before. But the problem is much bigger than just America. It's global. We're going to talk about that this morning. Now, one of the things you have to realize, as the Bible tells us, is that we're um, in the final countdown. And so before we read, let's pray. Father, as we go quickly through your word, help us get a better understanding where we are at And God, where you want us to be and how we'd be most effective for you, may you cause these words to come alive in our heart and may you show us all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In the book of Daniel, we're going to go through several places today and I don't normally do this. We're going to return back to our verse-by-verse study in the book of Genesis next week. But unless we have something crazy happen this week, but um, we're, we're just wanting really to look at, so if you're new to the Christian faith, perhaps you've come out of maybe churches that didn't teach out of Revelation, that just believe it's all going to go on forever. Well, there's some really important things that you need to know. Now, one of the things when it comes to teaching the Bible, I like to teach what's called absolutes. In other words, I don't like where, well, it could mean that, or it could mean a cow jumped over the moon. You look at some of the prophecies by Edgar Cayce and and some of these others. You know, when the moon is rising and the three clouds cover the moon. Oh, and this is, you know, and they make up something. I don't like that kind of prophecy. I think that's self-fulfilling and and goofy stuff. But when we deal with the Bible, we deal with exacts. And if you're not a Christian here this morning, or you're listening somewhere around the world, United States, by radio or internet, the Bible doesn't deal like that. The Bible is very exact in its prophecies. So you know what the Bible says is true. All the religious books of the world leave out one thing, prophecy, because all it has to do is make a prophecy that doesn't come true. And you know, the book is bogus, but the Bible is one third prophecy. Two thirds of those prophecies have already come true. There's a remaining one third of the Bible's prophecies yet to be fulfilled. How do you know where we're at then in the timeline? How do we know that we're, 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 this could not go on for another thousand years? Well, first of all, let's take a look briefly from the side, not from a Christian perspective. Let's just say I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm a heathen. I don't believe in the Bible. Uh, I believe that uh, whatever will be, will be. Que uh, sera, sera. Uh, do you really believe that? Now, here's the problems. There's not a weapon that man has ever made that he has not used. This ought to cause anybody that is not a Christian to not sleep anymore. Number two, I ran this past week, about three days ago, the, the uh, 
the head of the Iranian government says, we are going to kill your president in the next few days. This is what they made an announcement. Now, I don't know what they got up their sleeve. To me, in my book, that would be a declaration of war. I really look at it as a very serious threat. And the, uh, the powers that be are taking it serious as well. So you have underdeveloped nations developing nuclear weapons. You have North Korea making their nuclear weapons. You have Iran with their ICBMs working on their nuclear weapons. You have, you have these rogue countries, Russia and these others, atomic bombs and suitcases that can be bought on the black market. You look at all these things, and even from a non-Christian perspective, the world is not going to stay the way it's been. You see, the American debt by the end of this year will be $30 trillion. That is more debt than the entire world together has. I don't know who keeps funding us on this. You know, uh, if you're not making your payments, you don't go back to the bank and say, hey, I want more money. And they, oh, sure, how much you want? No, they usually say, no, you can't have any more. You're not making your payments. Not us. So where is this going? If you're not a Christian, you can see the collapse of the American dollar. You can see the collapse of the American, what we've been in America. You say, well, Mike, why is that important? Because it seems that America has been the stabilizer of the world. Some people said one time, America is the world's police force. But America is moving from its dominance. And what we find that's going to replace it is a one world order. The Bible clearly tells us it's going to happen. But how do we know? How do we know that we're the generation that's going to see it? I'm glad you asked. Daniel had been carried away captive to Babylon with his other Jewish brothers. There in Babylon, in captivity, Daniel got really depressed. And he went to God and he said, God, what's going to become of our nation? All these promises that you made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob now seem to be impossible to fulfill. Israel is it's is been conquered. Jerusalem has been burned to the ground. It doesn't exist anymore. We're in Babylon. How can any of these promises, like as an example, through you, Abraham, all the nations of the world will be blessed. How can these ever be? And so God sent an angel Gabriel to him and began to talk to him. And I just want to read this to you because we got a lot of ground to cover here this morning. This is in Daniel chapter 9. <clears throat> and the Lord spoke to him through the angel saying, Seventy weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, and to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring everlasting righteousness. So we have four events. Number one. Two and this it says here, to finish the transgression. Man's transgressed against God. God had to do something miraculous to stop it. That's why Jesus Christ came, to make an end of sins. It's only through Jesus Christ our sins 
are removed. The blood of bulls and goats, Old Testament, could cover the sin, could not remove the sin. You can throw a sheet over a chair in your living room when you're painting it. It doesn't make the chair go away. But the blood of Jesus literally takes our sin, separates us from us as far as east is from the west. The Bible says chooses to remember it no more. Number three, to make reconciliation for his iniquity. God paid the price for you. And that's good because the cults always operate on you earning it. That's how you can tell if you're ever manipulated in religion. If they tell you, you got to get out, earn it, sell flowers in airports, eat organically grown food, do righteous deeds, give all your money. All that manipulation is not from God. God is the one that made complete reconciliation for our sins. And the last one, which is the most important, to bring everlasting righteousness. That's the kingdom of God. That's the millennial reign of Christ. That's when Jesus will rule this world. Now, friends, the first three have happened, but there's one missing. That last one that's missing is to bring in everlasting righteousness. So he says to seal up the vision of the prophecy and anoint the most holy. So we find five and six as well. To seal up the vision of the prophecy, which he did, and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem till Messiah the Prince, there will be 70 weeks and 62, seven weeks and 62 weeks, and the street will be built again, the wall, even in troublous times. This is exactly what happened. Artaxerxes gave the command to Nehemiah to go restore the city of Jerusalem that was burnt to the ground. And he said, from that time, It will literally be 173,880 days. Jesus made his triumphant entry into the city of Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday, on the exact day. And that's why he cried over the city. He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I would gather you, but you would not. And he wept over the city. It was their day of salvation. The first place Jesus went was into the temple, not to set up his throne because he realized that Israel had a spiritual problem. Until the spiritual problem is fixed, it doesn't matter what government you have. And so he goes in, turns over the table of the money changers, and then the Bible says he began to teach the people. The religious system didn't like it. Six days later, he was crucified. So let's go on. And he goes on and he says... And after 62 weeks, Messiah will be cut off, but not for himself. The people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Now, verse 27, I want to just go to this verse because this is why we know where we're at. You've got 62 and 7 weeks. That's 69 weeks. There's a missing 70th week. If you go back again to verse 24, 70 weeks are determined. A week is seven years. There is a missing seven-year period of time till all things are completed, till to bring in the everlasting righteousness and anoint the most holy. That has not yet happened. We have a seven-year period of time that is missing. 
This is what the book of Revelation is about. A seven-year period of time in which God deals with his nation of Israel. He's not forgotten them. And deals and judges a God-rejecting world. So when does it start? How do we know when it starts? Verse 27. Then he, speaking of the Antichrist, as we would read all the way through this, shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. But in the middle of the week, he'll bring an end to sacrifice and offerings, and on the wing of abomination shall be the one who makes desolate, even until the consummation which is determined, it is poured out on the desolate. This is what Jesus talked about, the abomination which makes desolate. Now, when we get into Revelation, and I, I, I'm trying to bring all this into one picture. God told Daniel, or excuse me, God told John to go and measure the temple and this is during the tribulation period. The temple's not there, friends. What's on the, the temple mount is the Dome of the Rock Mosque. Many people believe that the Dome of the Rock Mosque is going to be blown up and it's not going to be there anymore and then Israel can build a temple. I don't believe that. Because to the north and the east of the Dome of the Rock Mosque, this second most holy place in the Islamic world, is nothing but trees and sidewalks, there's about 11 to 15 acres that are just vacant up there on the Temple Mount. I believe what we're reading here, he, the Antichrist, will confirm a covenant with them for one week, for that seven-year period of time, and he'll bring an end to sacrifices and offerings, uh, and it tells us here, in the middle of the week. So three and a half years into this Seven-year period of time, the Antichrist stops the sacrifices that are going on in the rebuilt temple that's not there yet. Does this make any sense? God knows something more about the future than we know. Now, many people believe what this covenant is, and being it talks about the temple, is the Antichrist, this he that's mentioned here, gives Israel permission to build their temple on the Temple Mount alongside the Dome of the Rock Mosque. Just imagine the man of peace that shows up on the world scene is now uniting Islam and Christianity and Judaism all on the same mountain together. Who can make war with him? And that's exactly what the Bible says they will say about the Antichrist. Why do you need an Antichrist? Why do you need a world figure? Because I believe the nations of the world are crumbling, friends. They're crumbling economically. They have crumbled spiritually. And when there is no moral fabric in a society, the society disintegrates. I believe the Antichrist is going to come on the world scene, great man of peace. Now, the world's not going to call him the Antichrist. No, he's going to be the world's Messiah. He's going to be the one that's going to reign over the John Lennon song, Imagine, no heaven above us, no hell below us, above us only sky, and the world will be as one. Don't you know we've been getting programmed for this for a long time? Okay, so we've established that. 
Now, I like absolutes. I don't like dealing in gray areas. I don't like dealing in gray areas on a contract, whether I'm buying a house or a car. I like to know exactly what's going on. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 21. And this is going to establish, without doubt, where we're at biblically. Now, first of all, I want you to notice who is speaking. It is Jesus Christ. It is not John, Paul, or anybody else that oftentimes today in the modernistic world says, well, we really don't know what they're talking about. Jesus is very clear here. And if you go to chapter 24, excuse me, 21, verse 24, this talks about the press that comes against Jerusalem. Now, Jesus talked about that in the, this this. Um, the nations coming against Jerusalem. But notice verse 24. And they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive to all nations. This is exactly what happened in 70 AD. The city of Jerusalem, because they were rebellious, they rejected their king. The Bible tells us not only here, but Josephus in Roman history tells us that a general, a Roman general named Titus came into the city of Jerusalem, burned it with fire, and because it was had gold in the temple, for instance, when Jesus said, I tell you the truth, not one of these stones will be left upon another. When the temple inside that was covered with gold, the heat melted the gold, it ran in the cracks. In order to extract the gold, they tore the bricks down to, to get the gold out. Jesus, what he said, one stone will not be left upon another, was exactly what happened. Now, you say, well, that's interesting. It was torn down. 70 AD, Jerusalem is annihilated. And then Jesus goes on and says something, friends, actually, that be totally ridiculous. And here's what he says. You'll be led away captive into all nations. Okay, what's wrong with this verse when Jesus said it? There were no nations. It was all the Roman Empire. There were no Italy or France or Israel. It was all the Roman Empire. So this is the first one we know that it's talking about something in the future. But here it is. And Jerusalem, notice Jesus is speaking this. Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Two years ago, Donald Trump declared Jerusalem to be the capital of Israel and recognized by the world. Jerusalem is not trampled by the Gentiles any longer. But when Jesus said this, it was under Roman control, then completely annihilated in 70 AD. Who would make such a foolish statement to say that it's going to come back under control of the Jewish people, furthermore, be the capital of Israel? Jesus knew it. That's why he wrote it here. But this is what where we come into this. In this first Sunday of the new year. Listen to this. And Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Friends, God's getting ready to turn his favor back to Israel again. The time of the Gentiles is closing. That's anybody that is a non-Jewish believer. 
And we want to understand how important every person in Jesus Christ is. Because it's because of you, the light of the world, the salt of the earth, that you communicate that truth in a world that doesn't know him. Now again, if we go back, the Bible here says that God's going to turn his favor back to the Jews again. The time of the Gentiles is up. Now stop to think about this again. Let's go back to a non-Christian perspective. When you realize these nations around the world are developing weapons that can literally destroy all the life on our planet. Iran, North Korea, who knows who else is developing this stuff? Iran, uh, excuse me, Pakistan, India, of course the other major superpowers. Friends, it doesn't matter if an atomic bomb is made in Russia and set off in China or one made in China is set off in South America. It doesn't matter. It's going to ruin the ecosystem of the planet. Now, interesting, the book of Revelation says every living thing in the sea dies. That would have been unheard of when John wrote this in Revelation. But now it is not. They understand that if you have a, an event where it kills a lot of fish in the ocean, the fish who feed off the fish, the plankton, all those things, is contaminated. It is not hard to see how that could contaminate the entire oceans. Well, again, are we doomists or are we realists? See, a lot of times people say, well, you're just negative. No, I'm not negative at all. I'm saying that we are on the verge of the Lord taking the church home. We need to be about our Father's business. Let your light shine because tomorrow's not promised to any of us. I, again, if you're new here today, I died uh, December 5th, about uh, four weeks ago. I was pa- almost going to be part of your welcoming committee, okay? But God chose to leave me here. I had what was called the widow maker. Only 12% of the people ever get the heart attack that I have, even live. And um, I survived with no heart damage. I I go, God, you're good. But I realized something, how quickly it's gone. And friends, I want to share with you so importantly that in this new year, when I say Happy New Year, I mean Happy New Year, you're still here to share the gospel to people who don't know God. Because it's not going to be a Happy New Year from what everything I've read about it. COVID-19 Tier 4, this new disease that's in England right now uh, that's spreading thousands of cases 56% more aggressive than the current COVID, in which the vaccines appear not to be working on it. We're going, this is crazy. What's going on in our world? Now, here's why this is important. The Bible tells us here that the time of the Gentiles is coming to an end. There is a seven-year period of time that God said is directly set aside for the nation of Israel. Friends, I believe we're getting close to that period of time. Let's go to Revelation. Revelation chapter 6. This is the order. By the way, for all of you, the book of Revelation is written in order. 
Now, I've seen people, they say, oh, there was a constellation in heaven and this is the fifth seal. No, a thousand times no. That's why it's numbered. It's numbered. You have the first six seal judgments. The seventh seal opens the trumpet judgments. They're in order. And then you go to the bowl judgments and they're in order. Why did God do it that way? Because Revelation is not a potpourri of just really weird end time happening things. No, it's all in order. So what's the next thing on the world scene? Okay. I believe you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. Jesus said that. I pray you are. Because you are, you have influence. You have a preserving thing, the salt part. By the way, you make it flavorful as well. But friends, we know that when the Lord takes his church out, this is found in Thessalonians chapter 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The Bible says we will not all sleep, but in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, we'll be transformed. The dead in Christ rise first. They get their glorified body. Then we're changed, and we all go to be with him in the air. You say, well, that's pretty weird. No, it's actually happened in the Bible before. In the Old Testament, before the flood, the Bible says Enoch walked with God and was taken. God supernaturally just transported him to heaven before the flood. I believe God did that to show us that the idea, the concept of the the harpazo, that's the word in the Greek. People say, well, the word rapture doesn't appear in the Bible. And oh, I hear that. And I just go, please don't be ignorant. The word in the Greek is harpazo. It means snatched away. God's going to take his church out of the world. I'm not saying any brand church. I'm saying those that believe in Jesus. Yes, there's going to be Baptists. There's going to be people from the Christian church and the four square church. But just because a person comes to church doesn't make them saved. It's your personal relationship with Christ. That's what makes you born again. And so we've got to be about our father's business. Now, I'm going to read very quickly. We're out of time. But let me just read this. This is what's coming on the world scene in order, so you know. Now, when we go to Revelation chapter 6. Now, let me, let me explain real quickly. Revelations 2 and 3 are the age of the church. Chapter 4 starts off with a trumpet saying, come up here and I'll show you what must be after these things. What things? The age of the church, Revelation 2 and 3. Chapter 4, you find Jesus in heaven. He steps out and takes this scroll, titled Deed of the Earth, and he begins to pop the seals off. He judges the world before he takes it back because the world has been really naughty. And so God pops the seals off, and as the seals are popped off, this is what happened. Now, this is what's really cool, because I can see this happening in the paper tomorrow when the church is gone. Let's look. Revelation 6. I'm going to read it very quickly. Now, I saw a lamb open one of the seals. And I heard one of the four living creatures with a loud voice say, come and see. By the way, God wants you to know what's going on. These things are not veiled people. Our church, we don't read Revelation. It's a sealed book. They're lying. It's not. It's an open book. It's the revelation of who Jesus Christ is. That's what the word revelation means. Okay, he says, he opened one of the seals. Come and see. And I looked, behold, a white horse. 
And he who sat on it had a bow, a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. I believe, friends, this is the Antichrist. He's a mock Christ. Jesus was not given authority. He's always had authority. Remember that. That's why this is not Jesus Christ here. Next thing we want to look at. He says he had a bow. Notice no arrows. No arrows. He had a symbol of strength, but no arrows. Had a crown given to him. This isn't Jesus. And he went out conquering and to conquer. He's going to bring the world under a one world order. I believe initially he goes out diplomatically to bring the world under a one world order. Again, the song Imagine by John Lennon. In fact, many people have suggested that during the one world order, John Lennon's song Imagine will be the national anthem of the new world. I don't know that for sure, but it certainly makes, would make sense to me. Another horse went out. And by the way, you'll hear sometimes the four horses of the apocalypse. These are the four horses that start the whole show going. Another horse, fiery red, went out. And it was granted on the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth. And that people would kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. I believe what the Antichrist does not accomplish diplomatically to bring the world under a one world order. He will use force. And I believe this is why you find this red horse. The third seal. He opened the third seal. I heard the third living creature say, come and see. And I looked, behold, a black horse. And he who sat on it had a pair of scales. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius. Do not harm the oil and wine. Famine is the next one that follows. You know, when you're, everybody's fighting everybody, nobody's got any time to grow food. And so this is what the next thing is. The fourth is opened. And notice it says, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, come and see. And I looked and behold a pale horse. And the name on him was death. And hell followed him. And power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with the sword, with hunger, with death, and the beasts of the earth. Now the word beast here in the the Greek is the word any living organism, any living thing, period. Do you think COVID mutated might be this or some other Ebola or black plague or these nations that just enjoy making diseases to kill people like I shared before why would any nation like China invent a disease to kill people friends you know we spend a lot of time Louis Pasteur all of, trying to find a cure for diseases these guys are inventing diseases to kill people but you see when you understand what the communist mentality is you're a worthless you're, you're a mouth to feed that produces nothing we want to get rid of the sick we want to get rid of the dead and that's exactly what COVID does and where was it made? Wuhan China isn't that weird? a disease that actually matches their philosophy of government If you're a worthless eater, off with you. Hmm, interesting enough. But notice it says, the beasts of the earth, they kill one quarter of the world's population 
in just the very beginning of the Antichrist coming to power. You figure there's about 8 billion people on earth right now. That means 2 billion people not infected with COVID. 2 billion people are dead. Man, you're talking game changer in the world. You say, Mike, you're scaring me. I came to church. I want to feel warm and fuzzy and tell me about everything I'm going to get. All I have to use is my magic faith words. Well, I got some good news and bad news for you. The good news is Jesus loves you. You're in his army. You're his purpose. If you're not a Christian here today, the bad news is you're going to be left behind unless you allow God to change you. Jesus said in John chapter 3 to Nicodemus, a religious leader, you've got to be born again. It ain't going to do it for you. You got to be born again. Now, if we were to read on here, you're going to see, now that's the end of the four horsemen. Then we get into the martyrs that are martyred. Those people, I believe, you've shared Jesus with. And mom, dad, brother, sister, friend, you're gone. You're in heaven. And all of a sudden, they begin to remember what the Bible says. Listen, I believe the book of Revelation is not written to scare people. I believe it is written for those people that are left behind, that get saved during the worst time in the history of the world. God loves them people. Again, your testimony today is going to affect them. Even though you're gone, your influence in their life is going to make a big difference. That's why let your light shine. Do what you can do for God today. You might not be here tomorrow to do it. Whether God takes you in a heart attack or whether God takes you in the rapture, or God takes them in death so you can't talk to them. There's an old saying in the world that says, never do today what you can do tomorrow. <laughs> Many years of my life, I lived that way. Never do today what I can do tomorrow. Put it off. But when it comes to the kingdom of God, we've got to be about our Father's business. The night is coming, Jesus said, when no one can work. When you begin to see these things, Matthew chapter 24, these things happening, perplexity among nations, when you begin to see them happen, look up, your redemption draws nigh. Friends, I believe we're there. I see that Jerusalem is under Jewish control. That right there should send, oh, and by the way, I didn't finish reading that in Luke 21. Jesus goes on and says, the generation that sees this is the last generation. That's you. That's me. So man, we're here. We've talked about it ever since. If you've been a Christian for more than 40 years or 50 years, you've talk, we've talked about this. The fathers of old talked about it through the last couple of cent, uh, millennia. We're here. Again, take yourself out of, out of the whole Christian world for a minute. Let's just go back over here to the worldly side. Do you think it's going to get better? Really? Do you, do you think with all these nuclear weapons they're building, do you think with all these, these biological warfare things that they're doing, is the world getting better? Wasn't 2020 fun? Listen, I believe that as the Bible says, when you begin to see these things, begin to see these things, look up, your redemption draws nigh. I know that there's a lot of things that we can all be involved in. Friends, I, I, I'm a diddler. I like to do things. I, I, you know, I, I, you know, 
I, I can't throw anything away because I think I'm going to use it for something else. And I usually do. And have you ever noticed when you throw something away, you need it the next day? I don't know how that happens. But the thing is, <clears throat> we need to be real careful. As we studied last week out of the book of Romans, we need to lay aside every weight. Now, weights are not necessarily sin. A weight can be anything that distracts you from the main thing. And a weight in itself may not be that. You know, I mean, my hobby, I like my hobby. Is my hobby sinful? No. But it can be if it's dragging you down. So we need to be about our Father's business. This morning, I just want to encourage you. This morning is communion. And this is what Jesus said. I'm not going to partake of this again till I'm with all of you in heaven. That's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. And I, I just can't wait. Because we're going to get there. There's going to be big tables. And, and God's going to escort us in. And we're going to walk down. And you're going to see a little RSVP. And I'll have my name on I'll go, oh, that's so cool. They knew I was coming. See, God, God, God knows we're coming. He's getting it ready. The marriage supper of the Lamb. <clears throat> Friends, I believe, again... We are on such, such an edge of what is about to happen. We just, if you look at the things in the world, you cannot truly say Happy New Year. But if you're looking through the eyes of Jesus, you can say, yes, Happy New Year, because I know I have a God in heaven who's going to direct my footsteps to have me be where he wants me to be, to do what he wants me to do for a reward in heaven that will never fade away. That's good news. Or I can live my life as a person who doesn't know God, diddle my whole life away. They throw dirt in your face and sell your trophies at a yard sale for 25 cents, as I've shared so many times. What do you want? Who's your daddy? What's the reason you're living? This morning, if you're not a Christian, I want to invite you to come into the kingdom of God. And by the way, the rest of Revelation is so wonderfully laid out. It's not hard to understand. The church is gone. We're out of here. But you know, God is never without a witness. So he has the 144,000 Jews from the 12 tribes of Israel and he lists them by name so no groups out there can lay claim that they're one of the 144,000 Jews. It's all laid out. It's right there. It's simple. And there says they're servants for the king. Goes through the different things. But I believe, again, the rest of Revelation is to help people who accept Christ during the tribulation to know what's coming next. Because listen, you're going to need, if you don't accept Christ today, you're going to need encouragement during the tribulation period. You're going to need to know that God's word is true. And when God's word says, okay, the next event, all the living trees, everything, all the green trees of the earth, die. And then you see that you're going to go, yeah, God's word is true. And it's going to help build faith for those who are during the tribulation period. That's why I believe the book of Revelation. Because people will be martyred in a, in, in, into the millions of people, I believe. So we want to be aware of the times we're in. And you want to let God do what he wants to do in your life. All of this starts with a peace treaty with Israel. 
I believe the church is out of here before that happens. And again, what I mean by the church, I believe Christians in every denomination. But just because a person doesn't, goes to church doesn't make them a Christian. It's your personal relationship with God. It's where you say, Lord, I'm surrendering my life. I don't know how much time I got left, but whatever I got left is yours. That's surrendering your life to God. God, open the doors of my life, close the doors of my life according to your will. And you'll see God take over your life. You'll see the powers of darkness. Let me tell you something. We reach out to the whole world through this church on the radio. We have millions and millions of listeners every day listening to this. And the thing is, is that the devil doesn't like us here. (laughs) Oh, no. In fact, if you come to church here, get ready for some spiritual warfare. You don't get anywhere else. See, see, because the thing is, what we're doing here is we're telling people, it isn't, brothers and sisters, I need your money. Uh, that's right, I need to buy another Rolex watch. I'm going to have them all the way up my arm. And I want to tell you about my seven Learjets that I've got. Oh, I just see that on television. I go, God, please stop the bleeding. It's not about us. It's about him. It's not about your money. It's about souls. And the day any of us mess that up, we're not, we're not in the Great Commission anymore. God wants you and me to be about his business. And you know, it's a funny thing. When you pray, as I've shared so many times, you pray and say, God, use my life today. And we go to the store And we're in line waiting to get out because of our socialistic distancing we got to do now. And I'm in line. And somebody goes, hey, hey, Pastor Mike, I want to talk to you. And I'm going, oh, I'm in a hurry. I don't want to talk. And I turn around and they begin to just share with me what's going on in their life. And I go, divine appointment. Same for you. You'll see somebody, those anomalies that I've shared so many times about, you'll see God's hand move. Listen, we're running out of time. We're running out of time. I don't know how long we've got. But as I look at the developments in our nation, as I look at the developments in the world, as I look at what the United Nations is trying to invoke about faith and, 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 and Christianity, uh, it's scary stuff, friends. Be about your father's business while you can. Now, this morning, if you're not a Christian, let's talk about you for a minute. You're on your way to hell. Isn't that awful to say? (laughs) But it's true. And if I really love you, I will tell you the truth. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Hey, listen, but you don't got to pay it. Somebody else has paid your debt for you. His name is Jesus. You don't have to die in your sins. You say, well, Mike, what about my sins? Haven't you recognized that's what's ruining you? Think about all the things that sin has done to you in your life. Whether it be alcohol, drugs, arrogance, pride. Shut your family off. Shut your friends off. Destroyed your health. You see, the devil doesn't like you. But Mike, I'm not a Christian. I know. He hates you. What do you mean? How can the devil hate me? I thought I was on the devil's side. Or I'm neutral. I said I'm a neutral. No, the Bible says you're either for me, Jesus said, or against me. But listen, 
You're a human being created in the image of God. And every time the devil looks at you, whether Christian or a worldly person, goes, what can I do to destroy him? Do you ever see the devil's handiwork in a person's life? And at the end of their life, they're going, wow, that person did really good. No, you see a person that's rich, scared to death of dying. Why? Because they know what they had never met the, the need inside their soul. God says, I'm here to satisfy you. Wow. Daniel was really worried about his nation. And God spoke to him on what was going to happen. God brings comfort. And one of the greatest things as a Christian you will have if you accept Christ is you'll at least have the comfort of God knowing your sins are forgiven. And we go to heaven because he's good, not because I'm good. Because if I got to be good to get to heaven, I don't know if I've ever been good enough. And when I get there, God says, eh, insufficient, not good. I want God to look at me and say, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't want God to look at the devil pointing at me saying, well done. Instead of medium rare. You see, God in his grace says, if you'll accept me, you'll live forever. People say, I don't want to live today. I'm sick of living. No wonder. Because you've been living in yourself. But God's got a place. Jesus said in John 14, he said, I go to prepare a place for you. You're going to have a little RSVP. You're going to have a place to live. It's going to be good. Don't miss it for the world. Don't, Don't trade away something you cannot keep for something you can never lose. Being about your father's business is what God has called us to do. When I accept Christ the Savior, I, I repent. And that means I turn away from serving myself. Okay, God, from now on, it's you. So if you want to pray right now, then we'll have communion. And then I went over the chicken parmesan is fabulous. It smells good. It even looks better. And I just look at it as just a little taste of someday what we're going to get to do in heaven, of fellowshipping together. And so everybody's invited. You say, but I didn't bring anything. That's not what it is. You come, you eat, fellowship, meet people you're going to spend eternity with you like it. This morning, if you're not a Christian, you need to get right with God. Let's pray. You're done. You're just done. You're done. I don't want to live the way I've lived anymore. I don't want another year like I just had. I don't want another five years like I just had. Then you pray this in Jesus' name. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I invite you into my life today. I'm sorry for the foolish, silly way that I have lived. And from this day forward, I commit my life into your hands. I believe you died on the cross for me. So take away my sins. Thank you for eternal life. And fill me now with your Holy Spirit that I'll have power to speak of you and to love the lost and to love you and love my fellow saints and be able to speak boldly about what you have done in my life. In Jesus' name, amen.